0: my alarm but i found you not disturbed hello (laughs) welcome back to the pup pup anyway podcast i'm stephanie and i'm maggie and this is the podcast where we break down dog training and canine behavior in a digestible way because i'm a certified
1: canine behaviorist and i'm not i just have a really good sense of humor
0: (laughs) and we've been in the pet industry for a while
1: So today's topic
0: is going to be uh, all about how to, well, mainly inner aggression um, in multi-dog households. Today, we're going to be talking about how to prevent it. The next episode, we're going to be talking about what should you do if you're already having aggression between multiple dogs that you already have in your home. Great. So um, I think the both of us have a lot of experience with this. Number one, because most of my life when I've had a dog, I've always had two. Yeah, a small amount of time when I only had one. Um, we both currently have two dogs. Um, we've, you know, Our parents both have multiple dogs at this point, and obviously we have a lot of clients with multiple dogs. So um, Maggie, tell us a little bit about your two dogs that you have.
1: Well, I have Corky and Quinn. Corky is eight. I got him at birth. <laughs> um, both of my dogs actually came in, their moms came into a, our rescue uh pregnant and then gave birth in my house mm-hmm. and then I kept a puppy because I uh had to. <laughs> um so Corky's eight, I've had him all eight years. He uh is my heart and soul and just my everything. He is my little man. He is my son mm-hmm. and you can't tell me otherwise. Yep, yes ma'am. Um and then Quinn came in in I got her about February February of this year... Uh, was March... Was Corky eight when you got Quinn? He was seven and a half. Okay. I didn't realize how similar both of our dogs are in age difference. I think you pointed that out when I got her. Oh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember what I did yesterday. Yeah, Quinn was born December 1st, 2021. 20, so I got her when she was, you know, three months old or whatever. So I right. got her in about Marchish. Um... And now I have two dogs yeah what made you want to get a second dog um well I visited my mom
0: and does all the
1: fostering yeah with all the babies who had a pregnant uh, foster dog and then I was there for the birth and then like an hour later I was checking out all the puppies and poking them and stuff you know as you do with little beans the beans and, um, most of them, when you picked them up, they just kind of squirmed and they wanted to find the nipple and all that stuff. And her, when she, I got a really weird image of the puppies trying to find your nipple. No, not mine. I know, I know, I know what you meant. <laughs> now everybody's going to picture my nipple. Um And she, the, and one puppy just kind of curled up in my hands and sat, just was a bean in mm. my hands completely still. And I was like, oh, oh no, oh my god, I <laughs> feel so <is> incredible, <laughs> this is what's happening, and I was like, wow, that was something, and I put it away, and like a week later I visited, and she was just always the best one, <laughs> so we had this connection, mm-hmm. and I needed her, mm-hmm. um, and I struggled a long time with like, oh, but can I share my love? I love Corky so much. I don't know if I have enough for both of them. What if I... Oh, God, I don't know. Am I financially responsible? Am I emotionally responsible? (laughs) Am I grown up enough to have another (laughs) dog? And um, when they became available for uh, putting deposits down, I actually told my mom, like... no, She had asked me first. She was like, she knew I loved this puppy. Mm -hmm. Uh, She said, do you want to put a deposit down? And I was like oh, my God, uh, no, and I ended up refusing, and, or declining, and uh, somebody else put a deposit down, and I was like, okay, it's for the best, no, wait, I changed my mind, and she was like, it's too late, somebody else put a deposit down, and I was like, oh, okay, well, I'll just be heartbroken forever, that's fine, <laughs> and, and I think I said out loud to her something like, well, if it falls through, you know, I'll be here, mm-hmm and a few weeks later they ran into some situation where they didn't want her anymore couldn't have her anymore and uh so fate dropped her in my lap what, what was it that your mom texted you she said something like you have a life
0: decision or a life-changing decision to make and you knew exactly what she was talking yep. about you were like yes
1: she is mine yep it had been weeks since we had spoken about it because she had a family all of that mm-hmm. you know i i had Almost moved on in the best way I could. Mm-hmm. And then out of the blue, she texted while well, I was at work or something and said, you have a life-changing decision to make. And mm-hmm. I said, I want her. I'll take her. <laughs> so for you, it was more because you,
0: you just happened to create a connection with this very specific dog. Yeah. Because yeah. your mom was fostering her. And she, you, saw, you saw her be born and raised and grown growing up. And you
1: created this. You weren't, like, actively looking for a second dog. Right. Got it. Um, I, I had gotten my own house. Uh, blah, 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 blah. F- 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 a few months earlier, three <laughs> September... A few months before. Yeah, anyway. It? Um, so it had crossed my mind that, like, oh, I have more room now. I don't have to pay a pet rent. Mm. I Maybe I'll start, like, fostering. Uh, I was looking at fostering dachshunds for the dachshund rec- rescue because mm-hmm. I've always wanted a wiener dog. You know how much you love the wieners. Um, oh, my goodness. <laughs> uh. So I was kind of thinking, like, oh, I have more room, more space. Mm-hmm. And then this puppy, you know, fell into my heart. and Fell worked. into my
0: heart. Aww. She really did.
1: <laughs> and I've, I've seen so many puppies being born. And yeah. I've watched so many puppies grow up. But it was just some... I, Indescribable connection that yeah. that I'm almost embarrassed about. <laughs> I the vet asked me because she works with all of our rescue dogs and uh-huh. rescue litters, and she was like, "Oh, you're adopting this one?" I was like, "Yep." She said, "Why?" I said, "I I I can't, can't tell explain you. It. I don't know. I, it was just a thing." And she was like, "Oh, okay. Yeah, I've heard that before." I was like, "It, okay. it is. It is a thing. For sure. I'm not super I crazy. So. I don't think so." So
0: yeah. So I also have two dogs. I have two schnauzers and like you Sully was my main dude he I mean he still is my main dude he's my only dude um I mean (laughs) my only dog dude um but I got him when I was a sophomore in college and you know from then he was my ride or die guy you know we made lots of road trips together because I was like in college station um I was itching to get another dog because Sully definitely has his own anxieties that I wanted a demo dog I wanted, because I was doing a lot of, like, events and stuff where I was tabling. Um, I had, you know, I was marketing for the business when it was first starting. And I would see other businesses that they would have their dogs that they would take. And they were having them do cute tricks and whatnot. If you look really closely, they're definitely on shot collars. Not my bit. Is my business but not my business um but i wanted a demo dog i knew sally wasn't the right choice for that so i started putting it out into the universe like i want a schnauzer obviously a puppy obviously so i can be more control of socialization but i also wanted to rescue and it just so happened that um i was teaching a puppy class and one of and you probably you may have known her but she used to do some some fostering stuff for I think it was msrh um, miniature schnauzer rescue of houston and not what your mom volunteers for currently Um, but she happened to be in my class at that time i happened to mention to her like hey like i know it's super unlikely that you're gonna get a purebred schnauzer puppy female but if it just so happens like let me know literally the next week she came in and she's like steph guess what and i was like you have a puppy don't you and sure enough she did Um, so I wanted, I went up to Houston to visit her and unfortunately it took a long time for me to get her because she came into the rescue, um, really sick. They thought she had parvo, which is why she ended up being rehomed to begin with. Luckily it wasn't parvo. Um, I think that she was just weaned from mom so early that she got really sick. And because the rescue organization spent so much money on her healing her, um, they were super apprehensive about letting her go, which doesn't make sense to me. Um, and I was, I told him, I was very concerned. I told him why I wanted her, that I wanted to be, her to be a demo dog. I'm the dog trainer. Like, I, there's not, you're not going to find a better adopter the, than me. There's idiots. not much better. Like, unless she was an act, unless I was an actual vet or something. Um, so unfortunately, Rishi was about four months old when I brought her home. Originally, like ideally, I would have liked for her to be less than three months, so I could have had more um, control in her socialization. And even so, when I went to go visit her, I almost didn't adopt her because she was living in like chaos. Her foster mom had at least eight other Schnauzers. And they were all great, but just like the environment was so chaotic. Grishi was literally running around the room, dashing from one side under this piece of furniture and then fleeing out and then going into that piece of furniture. And it was just like a lawless land. And she was barky, oh my gosh. And I I was like, if I take you home with me, I am never going to fully break you of this habit. And people are not gonna think I'm a good dog trainer. (laughs) So I sat with it for a while and obviously, I decided to get her. Her name was Mia originally. Now she's Rishi. Um, but she was, Sully was eight when I got her. So your dogs are kind of along the same age as, as mine were. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I definitely did have like a reason and a goal for her. And I think this kind of goes back a little bit to what we talked about uh, a little bit in that socialization, at, well, the daycare episode, but when we mentioned socialization and puppy socialization how people almost kind of feel like they can make, they can create a dog and they can create what type of dog it's gonna be. Because I had very high expectations for her. And she has let you down all over the place. <laughs> Is she a demo dog? No, she gets very, I mean, kind of yes. I mean, we've been on SA Live six times now and she does fantastic. But, uh, you know, walking into a dog vet and when she sees dogs, she gets really excited. It takes me about five, 10 minutes to calm her down. So I mean, she could do great, but I mean, whatever. So um, yeah, what, did you have any concerns like knowing Corky's uh, temperament? Did you have any concerns when bringing in an additional dog?
1: Yeah, I I had some because Corky is generally not a dog social dog, Mm -hmm. Um, but because he was like old enough that I knew him very well, I know what he's capable of. And, like, he he's lived in my mom's house who has always fostered dogs. So yeah. he's met and got along fine with lots and lots, like, hundreds of dogs because they just come through one or two at a time. Um, but I know he needs proper introduction and time to get used to them. And, like, I just have to make sure to hit his key... Um, i don't know needs yeah. for what i i've lost my train of was, thought was it
0: point. requirements like like for silly i know that i was gonna have a okay with silly i knew that he was kind of social he grew up in a daycare environment because so i've been working in daycare since i got him but i also knew that by the time he was eight years old he wasn't as openly social as before because he's
1: mm-hmm. by this
0: point technically you know a senior um, and he doesn't love puppies, he doesn't love puppy energy, but I also know that I was gonna be more successful bringing in a female versus I mean that health. too, yes. So yeah. is, that, is that what you kinda mean? I,
1: I I, don't know if it was on the top of my brain when I was doing it, but mm. uh, now looking back, I'm like, yeah, he obviously gets along with females better, he gets along with smaller dogs better. Um, just I, When I introduced him to dogs, I know that It should be one at a time. It should be in a neutral environment. Yeah. It should be um, his, like a lot of him controlling the situation, but not in an unsafe way. Like if I give him too much power, he'll take advantage. Like if we introduce in his home, he's like, "Nope, this is mine. You're dead." Yeah, (laughs) you did. So I have to neutralize some things Mm -hmm. so he can have the the just the ideal introduction More yeah how did you introduce them um i think i probably when she was like a week old i shoved him in her face i shoved her in his face before he <laughs> even knew that you were going to be grabbing her yeah i he i just bring him to my mom's house every time i visit so gotcha. and then i get excited about showing him puppies even though he doesn't Care, yeah. And usually the mom get, dog gets mad at him. <laughs> I'm like, no, he's our friend. And she's like... Nah. And I'm like, no, but he's my baby. He won't hurt them. And he's like, yeah, I don't need to be doing this, Mom. Come on, stop. And I'm like, no, me too. You're
0: embarrassing me, Mom. So
1: I'm the worst.
0: So you did have s- some concerns. I think I probably had bigger concerns than you did. Um, your introduction process was a little bit different. It wasn't when you decided to bring her home that you introduced them. He just happened to already...
1: Yeah, I had her. a lot of like overlap and time and occasions to be able to like see how it goes and we're gonna go away and you don't even know she's your sister yet and then we're gonna go away again yeah and then she i i think she i brought her home and for the first maybe week or a few days uh he was like treating her like a guest, kind of. I don't Mm know. I've had a lot of dogs in my house. Yeah. He just has certain ways about him. Yeah. Um, But he was, like, being kind of nice, but also a little bit rude. And then after about a week, he was like, oh, she lives here now. Mm -hmm. And, like, started sharing the bed better and started playing better and Mm -hmm. just, like, relaxing around her.
0: Yeah. They they started to form an actual relationship. Yeah. He (laughs) was like,
1: oh, I get it. It doesn't matter how... Standoffish I am to this thing. She's gonna hang out here. Yeah, I might as well become her friend and now they're best friends Gotcha.
0: I I think I really got lucky because I did not have a chance to do a really good introduction um, For example the very first time that I went up to meet Rishi. I didn't take Sully with me I didn't take Sully with me because I was staying with a friend and Sally is not the kindest person to strangers. He knew the female that I was staying with, but he didn't know the male that I was staying with as well. They were a married couple. Oh, humans, humans, yeah. Um, but also, she does have two dogs, and um, she actually was a, f- a former employee or not, uh, a former coworker of mine, and we shared an office. And I know that my dogs, I know that Sally does not get along with her dog, so he didn't go up with me. He also didn't go up with me whenever we went to go pick her up um, because one, I almost did not know for sure if I was gonna be getting her and if I was gonna be getting her when I was gonna be getting her. On top of that, um, at the time, I still allowed to have some dogs come into my home and stay with me. So I was doing like in-home pet sitting at my house. And once again, because I was completely unsure of when exactly she was gonna be coming home, I had another dog staying at my house and it's the exact type of dog that Sully doesn't like. It was a bigger, playful male. And so when I brought Rishi home, it was a lot of management. Sully was on edge because I had this other male dog in the house. Um, Rishi was kind of creating more bonds with that dog. Um, eventually that dog left after i don't know i don't know i can't remember if it was a long weekend or if it was a full week it was it was a previous time i want to say it was probably about a week um
1: did was it just bad timing it was just bad
0: timing yeah you
1: had a dog sitting client and then all of a sudden they were like come get your schnauzer i had committed to watching this dog because this dog's parents were on vacation so i had committed to this
0: months before previously Um, And I was itching to get Rishi so bad that I was bugging and bugging and bugging the rescue organization. So when they finally said, okay, it's time to, okay, fine, if you come get her, I jumped on the opportunity. Probably when I should have been like, okay, but now I have this dog and I'm going to wait, but I didn't. Um, So it, it, it didn't obviously ruin the moment, but it definitely wasn't the best introduction. And I really believe that. Having a good first introduction, that first impression really does set up how that relationship's gonna go. If we can make, I almost like to take things a little too carefully because if we have a negative interaction the very first time that we meet, now we have things to undo. Whereas if I took things super careful and only went step by step, knowing that each dog could handle it. I don't have to undo any sort of negative emotion or resentment or whatever it might be that built up because we had a negative interaction.
1: Yeah, you know what's weird? I'm thinking of myself meeting people because I often don't remember uh, meeting people. They'll say like, "What's your first impression? What was your first impression of me?" And I Mm -hmm. go, "I I don't don't remember meeting you." And they're like, "You were wearing a striped shirt and Mm -hmm. you had a curler in your hair. A curler. A curler. (laughs) You were just out of the '50s." Um, And I'm thinking about it, and I really only remember impressions if they were bad. Mm, so yeah. I, I have a feeling that's true with dogs, too. Like, if you have a first impression and it's a negative one, it takes a long time and a lot of work to undo that. Where if it's yeah. neutral or positive, like, that's good. But you got to keep having those to build a relationship.
0: Yeah. It's just like, you know, it takes... A long time to build trust, but a moment to ruin it. Yeah, you know. Um, and I think for dogs, it's not because they're looking for any sort of like validation in a relationship that they're building, but they have to know, like, you know, if they're animals. For maybe perhaps for survival purposes, if you're a competition and I could possibly get into a fight with you, I now got to be more on the defensive, right? Okay. So anyway, so obviously we both have two dogs. Um, I also have a cat. Do you want to hear about that? Not at all. I do love her. That might be a different podcast episode about how do we do with interspecies households. Um, But not the topic of this conversation, Um, how's it going with the two? Are they getting along? Do you have any
1: concerns? Are there any sort of tense moments that you have to be careful of? They get along swimmingly. Um, Quinn is obviously a lot younger than Corky and has a ton more energy. Mm -hmm. And he will get tired of it. Um, I always expected him to be like, "Hey, knock that shit off." When he's yeah. done, yeah, and he so tolerant. doesn't. He's, he's very tolerant of her. Extremely tolerant. Like it's it's wild. That's the thing where I said like, um, after a week, they he started like understanding she lived here. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things. He just started tolerating her a lot more because mm-hmm. originally he was like, "Okay, yeah, I don't want to play. I'm gonna go, not be around you." Mm-hmm and I'm gonna tell you, stop. Um, and after a week, he was like, oh, she gets to do whatever she wants. <laughs> um, so he, she will like, her her favorite play style is to like pull on his collar and pull on his neck. Uh, and he just puts up with it for hours on end. Yeah. She drags him around the room by his collar and he's just like, oh, this is fine, I guess. Mom, can you see what she's doing? Mm-hmm. I guess this is all right. Well, and it's just like Corky. You can tell you can, like just bark at her, tell her stop it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have not done a good job of training her to stop. <laughs> after I realized he's not going to do it, let's talk about in a little bit. Um, what else? Uh, he Corky definitely resource guards food and treats mm. big time, um, and Qu- Quinn quickly learned that uh those are his leave him alone Mm because i think he he really did he like pinned her to the ground or chased after or bit her a little bit Mm -hmm. um so now she gives him a wide berth when he has treats or food you mean a wide girth isn't it birth
0: wide girth wide like distance birth wide birth we'll have to settle this on somewhere else oh no
1: i've always thought of what the fuck birth? is a white bird Wide. oh that kind of birth
0: am am i wrong <laughs> to avoid or stay away from something okay no you're
1: totally oh my right. gosh! You scared me no you're totally is right. wide
0: girth something now i'm afraid to look at white girth <laughs> the, girth, the girth of an object is in its width or thickness has I mean, the I measurements that-
1: around its circumference I think both could probably... But I don't think that's a phrase. I think it's wide berth is the phrase. Huh, okay. Well, G- give okay. a wide berth. No, you are right. Oh. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> uh, anyway, so she avoids him while he's eating, and she gets too close, she, and he, she sees that he, uh, like, s- starts to go on edge. She just flips over. She's like, no, I'm sorry, I didn't want anything, and shows her, her belly. Shows him her belly. Um... Where was I going with that? Uh, I just tried to you with the birth and the girth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I lost all sense of everything. Um, so she is like submissive to him when he's eating, mm-hmm. but recent she learned from him, I think, that uh, he, that about like resource guarding. Mm-hmm. So now if I bring her to like daycare or if I bring her to my office and also bring another dog for her to play with, she will resource guard treats. I'm like, damn it, Quinn. You're the biggest hypocrite. You know how Corky does this and you feel all bad and you hate it? You're doing the exact same thing. Dogs, I find, are the biggest hypocrites. Totes my goats. Um, And... Oh, I guess this should have gone on earlier. Uh, Corky will get tired of Quinn playing 100% of the time, all the time, as Energizer Bunny, because he's old man. Mm -hmm. But if she's gone... Like, for hours or all day, I bring her to work. When I bring her back, he is so happy to see her. Cute. He, like, usually he'll see me and jump on me and want to get in my arms and want me to feed him dinner and want love and stuff. But if I have Quinn with me, he just, like, starts playing and wrestling and chasing her. Gotcha. And ignores me. I'm like, what? You don't even like her all the time. (laughs) You You like me all the time. Yeah, I think, uh,
0: what kind of... I'll, I'll, I I want to pick at some of the things that you mentioned but we'll save that in some of the what not to do's.
1: Poor <laughs> shit. Good, good, good.
0: Uh, um, or at least just kind of have more conversations around it. I've done uh, everything wrong. I know. My, it. my two, um, I would say 99.5% of the time are fantastic. Mm-hmm. They love to play. I love to see how Sully has like become a younger dog because he keeps up with Rishi. Oh, yeah. Um, she just brings more youth to him, you know, yeah. and, and I just absolutely love it. I think for me, the, the biggest things that I see, I, I think it's really only one, and it's only been somewhat coming up. Um, every once in a while, when they're playing, Sully will get a little mad at Rishi, and sometimes it's not warranted. Like, sometimes I'll, I'll toss a toy, Rishi goes and chases it, and then Sully goes, and they're not competing for the toy. Sully couldn't give a shit less about the toy. But he'll, like, kind of stand over her for a quick second, like, posture over her, so she kind of likes them in. So that's always the time that I have to step in and be like, Sully, that's that's not your job to do. Um, more um, more permissible or more of a warranted is sometimes he will give a good correction, like when they're playing, and she maybe nips him a little bit too hard. He'll burr at her, and she'll back off. And... I make sure that they diffuse the situation well, Um, and I make sure that it wasn't an overcorrection, because Ellie does have a tendency to overcorrect dogs, especially sometimes in daycare. Um, One thing that I started to notice, um, and this honestly really happened more last night, and we'll talk more about this in, in the what not to do's and what not to allow's, is they always eat about literally two and a half, three feet apart from one another. They've never had a problem with it. I make sure that everyone is done with their food before I allow for them to switch bowls and you know, see what the other ones left. So I make sure that like, they are giving a consent to that moment before it just happens. Um, but last night I gave them a duck egg for the second time. And apparently duck eggs are something that Rishi really loves because Sully was trying to like follow up behind her and try to like grab the pieces that she kind of, that kind of like, ooze out of the egg and the eggs rolling. So she's probably like, you know, two feet away in one direction, but he's kind of looking up some of the leftovers that had been left on the floor. And she gave a couple of very low growls. Um, so that told me, okay, like Rishi's not okay with this situation. So I had to really step in and make sure that Sully was giving her his, uh, giving him giving her her space. And um, it took a while, it definitely took a while because he really also wanted to pick up those leftovers of the duck egg.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I think for me, m- most everything's 100% and just dandy, but noticing that there are some tense moments that could arise around food.
1: Yeah, I think I'm in a similar situation. They get along super great. I'm sure I would pick up on more if I were trying to pick up on more like when Corky goes and starts eating Quinn's food I'm sure I could if I had the perfect trainer brain I could point out like oh well Quinn is feeling this and Corky is doing that yeah uh or when they're playing and Quinn grabs onto his collar or whatever Mm -hmm. I'm sure I could pick at like what's happening more but in my mind like they don't fight so Mm -hmm. everything's great yeah We'll talk
0: a little bit more about that in a little bit
1: too. So I I guess let's talk about, for those of you guys who are
0: considering bringing in a new dog um, into the household, whether it's the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth, whatever it might be, um, or maybe you've just brought in a dog and you kind of want to make sure, how can I make sure that things are going well? The first thing, once again, is introductions, making sure that the first time that they meet is actually a pretty good, let's set them up for success um biggest pointers that i have one try to find a neutral space is that always possible no um and also sometimes neutral spaces like i wouldn't say do it at a
1: dog park you know that's not yeah the sometimes best place to do it sometimes either. neutral spaces i th- think give too much distraction so you don't get the real idea of how they feel about each other yep
0: and that's another thing that we'll talk about a little bit later um yeah it 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 depends sometimes i tell people like we should meet on a walk but if you have a reactive dog that might not be the best option um i think if you can't find a neutral space at least try to have some sort of barrier um i don't like leash barriers specific because we often put weird tension through the leash so i prefer prefer something more like a baby gate or some sort of see-through barrier that they're meeting nose to nose, but if someone has a problem with something, they can't get to one another, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. yeah. I also think that not just letting them sniff, sniff, sniff at the fence line and you, everyone just hanging back is a proper way. I think if things are going well, one, you're physically close by, just in case. Two, you're verbally giving some good feedback. Hey guys, good job. And you're calling everyone's names individually. I also tend to have like a three-second rule, and three seconds is arbitrary. There is no actual scientific evidence that says three seconds or more is bad. Um, But often you'll see us, and I think you've kind of had a hard time swallowing for a second. (laughs) I think you'll see this, or I think you have seen this, whenever we're introducing like our beta dogs to one another, or working on a socialization dog. Um, We'll allow sniffing, but while they're sniffing, I'll in my head one, two three and by three if they have not disengaged on their own i'll try to step in between whether it's nose to butt or whatever it is just to kind of give the dog that is being sniffed a moment to kind of oh thanks for ending that for me right instead of the tension building so we often do that multiple times sometimes i'll have people call the dogs away from the fence line that way i can just check to see how tense is my dog If you have two dogs meeting at a fence line and treats cannot get your dog away from there and they're just hardcore staring at one another, you know that that moment is so tense that you better not take that barrier out away from the two of them. Mm -hmm. But if the both of them are disengaging really well, coming... To you five feet away and having a seat and having a sit and looking at you for food like, you know that okay You're not super tense. So when I do take this barrier away, we're most likely gonna be okay Yeah So I think those are kind of the, the two biggest things um, and then also just being careful with your resources as well um, Unless you know all the dogs pretty well don't have toys and stuff around different things like that. Yeah, it could be Things that they fight over. Yeah um, and then some bonding activities for new dogs to do as well. Some of these are not going to be best for everyone. But one, I like to use food as a way to for them to build bonds with one another. I'm not saying let them eat out the same bowl. Please don't fucking do that. Um, I like for them to maybe eat on separate sides of the same room. But when they are in the same room together, their meal gets, gets zhuzhed up in some sort of way. Mm-hmm. So... If you brought a new dog into your home and maybe you do it every other day or one meal a day, but you have them in the same room eating on separate sides of the room. And when they're in the room together, you put something extra fancy in their bowl. Maybe you're putting some fresh fruits and veggies. Maybe you're putting some chicken broth, whatever it might be. And then when they're not eating in the same room, they just get the regular kibble. So this kind of sends the signal of, I like you when that dog's around when I'm eating because when that dog is around, I get good things. Yeah. Okay. Um, I also like to use walks as a bonding activity. You have to be careful with this if you do have a leash reactive dog. Um, but oftentimes, walks are a really great, great way for me to meet a nervous dog when I'm doing a private lesson with them. I think one doing things outdoors versus indoors helps to create more of like an open environment. So it's I feel less closed in. I think that going for a walk helps the dog to deal more with that anxious energy because we're moving, whereas Mm -hmm. being stationary. I think that being outdoors and having literally a world full of distractions helps the dog feel like they're not the center focus of the new person, especially if they're nervous. And also because there's more things to be distracted by, I'm not only focused on this dog being here. And lastly, I think it's helpful because most dogs like walks so if it's already a primary reinforcement meaning i didn't have to teach you that walks are enjoyable we're kind of already pairing a new dog with something that's enjoyable so positive associations happening there cool i think the last one that i like to talk about as far as bonding activities too is just like relaxation time your dog's learning to kind of turn like turn themselves off and just realize like we can be in the same room and relax with one another so one thing i like to do with that It is a little bit easier if you have a handler per dog so if you have one dog you have i'm sorry if you have two dogs you have two people um so each there's a person per dog um and everyone has treats maybe you guys start sitting off on opposite ends of the room once again anytime someone decides to calm down you reward them for the decision to calm down without you telling them sit down leave it settle whatever and uh the more that they learn to relax around that dog from a small distance, then you guys can start bringing them closer and closer and closer together till eventually they've built a positive association because there's treats involved, but also we're learning to just be calm and like turn, like find my own off button and not just like focus on that dog.
1: Yeah, those are my bonding. Those sound great, I didn't do any. (laughs) I didn't, uh
0: i don't i can't remember it's been four years i can't remember if i did it's been been five months
1: and i can't remember
0: (laughs) i i was also living in a very unique situation where i didn't have like a whole apartment or a whole house to myself um we were confined in a a, one bedroom because i was living with my ex and his family at the time so it was it was not easy to just have all this room to do a whole bunch of stuff yeah so we've talked about easy ways to introduce not maybe not easy ways but best practices for introducing our dogs to a new potential housemate now let's talk about what are some things not to do not to allow things to be careful for to make sure that everything continues to run beautifully my first piece of advice uh and sorry maggie this
1: is one of the things you kind of mentioned that you allow. we're gonna hit a lot of things that <laughs> i fucked up on sorry uh, I'm I'm fully prepared.
0: I don't I don't want to throw you under the bus, but um, letting your dogs steal toys or food, even though no one gets mad, they don't do that. I thought you mentioned that. Uh, well, now I can't remember exactly. they <laughs> <laughs> ate,
1: but uh, Cor- Corky Corky guards his food. Quinn never got close enough to try to share it. She learned very quickly that if i walk within four feet of this guy he'll growl at me gotcha okay so we and I've, I've always oh, known was that it toys was it shoes i
0: don't know no
1: i i know very well that he's food and he's uh, got a treat. Birth <laughs> <aggressive. That's right. laughs> white birth aggressive <laughs> that he's very food and treat aggressive so okay. i've always made sure to give them their space and he's never really cared much about toys Call me down. out on something else debunked <laughs> Got myth it. busted
0: busted okay but we do have a current client that's here with us um, who adopted a dog and their dogs his dogs have been together for about two years now and they just started brawling to the point where one of the dogs is consistently coming with like scratches to her face and junk um,
1: <laughs> they're not scratches on her junk
0: Sorry. Yes. Yeah, scratches on her face and sh- not and sh- and sh- and, other. <laughs> and, shit, and okay. not bodily shit, but just and, and things bad. It's just bad. Okay. Just trust me when we say it's bad. My poor baby. Um, so I had a conversation with him and one of the things that he said was dog number one, who's the one who is always getting beat up now, dog number one would always go up to dog number two and just take the toys from dog number two. Mm -hmm. Right. And nothing ever bad has ever happened. Dog number two would just kind of take it, deal with it, go with the flow. Dog number two got tired of that shit and started retaliating. So now dog number one is the one that's coming to daycare with scratches all over her face. Um, And needing stitches, right? She needed stitches after one of those. She's needed on, on at least two occasions. Two occasions. So... Um, Just because your dog is not fighting back right now, doesn't mean that your dog won't fight back eventually. I like to tell people if you have children, whether they're your children, whether you are a teacher, whether or not you're watching your nieces and nephews, you wouldn't just allow one kid to taunt the other other kid, I'm not touching you, I'm not touching you, you know, you would be like, cut that shit out immediately, right, and that is kind of the human version of what was being allowed to happen in this home, dog number one kept taking all of these resources from dog number two, dog number two doesn't want to fight, but dog number two learned if I don't protect my resource, I lose my resource, so now I'm going to brawl, now they have a really big problem on their hands. Now it comes to when it's toys, when it's food, dog number two is learning to resource her her stuff. Um, another one is hogging attention or demanding attention when you're giving attention to the other dog. I see this happen a lot and I think this is also one of those situations where it seems harmless because the dog just wants your attention and i think this is one that happens pretty often on the daycare floor we go out into daycare there's one person for 12 dogs our ratios are pretty small however there's one person for 12 dogs right and some of these dogs really love. how many
1: people is that for how many dogs
0: 12 dogs okay um and i think that some dogs really appreciate and really value human affection and attention so if it's not uncommon for, I'll just put me in this situation, I'll be in daycare, I'll be giving one dog attention, so I bend down, I'm loving on them, I'm kissing on them, rubbing up all over them, and it looks like, you know, another, another situation dogs, some dogs will come flocking over to us, right? In that moment, what I do is, I'm aware of the fact that it could happen, and while the other dogs are inbounding toward us, I'm already putting my hand up like, and a stop, stop hand motion, stiff arm, and almost like right to the dog's face from anticipating that they're coming in. So I'm using my arm to draw a boundary to protect the boundary of the dog that I'm currently giving attention to. I don't want the dog that I'm giving attention to, one, to fear me giving attention because it means that now they have to compete for a resource, or two, I don't want that dog to think they have to compete for this resource and guard me because i'm giving attention so it's not that i don't want to love and give attention to all the dogs on daycare i'm just going to do it one person one dog at a time i think that's another really big one that a lot of people need to watch out for if you're on the couch giving attention to a dog and here comes trotting in your other dog and they see that you're giving out attention attention is a big resource they want to be part of it and if they're constantly like moving like their body in between you and the other dog or they're put like putting their head underneath your arm to get them to get your arm off of the other dog those are all ways that your dog is demanding attention and creating your attention to be a resource so step up already before that even happens and draw that boundary whether it's with your arm or you're already turning your back towards the dog that's coming in and just let your dog know when this dog is getting attention that behavior for me is not going to be
1: rewarded Does that also uh, condone is a good thing? What do you mean? The word condone. Does that also reward the dog you're initially giving attention to for They're not doing anything. Okay. They didn't growl first.
0: Okay. And that's the point. Don't leave it up to the dog number one that you're giving attention to. For them to have to be the one to say, I'm not okay with this dog constantly stealing my
1: attention. What if they do get, what if you miss it and they do grow? Then attention something? stops
0: for everybody and I'm walking away. Okay. No more attentions being, I'm not getting mad at the dog, dog number one for having that reaction. I'm not getting mad at dog number two for coming in and making that situation happen. I'm removing myself as a resource and I'm taking myself completely away. Okay, doke. Make sense? Yep. Cool. Uh, the third one is don't leave anyone attended for a while and until we know everyone's dynamics and relationships and the ins and outs of that relationship you should not be leaving your dogs alone when you're not home supervising Um, this means that we have our kennel situation set up this means that we have dogs in different rooms you're managing you're separating just because in the very beginning, we don't like there there's still nuances to their dynamics and their interactions. They're still developing a bond. they're still developing that trust. So we can't fully anticipate that everything's gonna go fantastically when you're gone. I think even too, even if things are going phenomenally phenomenally when you are home, and things have been going hundred percent fantastic, uh, like for three months or so, you still need to be careful about when you start to speak take yourself out of that situation. So maybe we have things like baby camera set up or FaceTime set up with a different um, phone, or we have some sort of way to be watching our dogs when we're quote unquote out of the house and not fully aware, um, or they think that we're not fully aware of the situation. And I also think gradually increasing the duration in which they can be alone. Like don't just leave for a full day and be like, well, they've been together for three months and nothing bad has ever happened.
1: Start off slowly first, short durations, and then build up from there. Yeah, that makes sense because if, like, dog behaviors change leaps and bounds depending on the situation and the people surrounding them and the environment and everything. So as soon as you leave, your old dog could suddenly, you know, consider, like, oh, mom's not here. I'm going to beat the shit out of you. (laughs) or you know probably not that yeah dynamics
0: change when, when you're not there for sure um the next one is watch for new behaviors around new resources because resources will change in value the more a dog has access to them so quick story about that we currently have a foster dog who is in a different foster home right now he's been there for three days four days uh, I was going to say one. A week? Or two. One or two days?
1: You know, a, a, small, a small amount small amount. Less
0: than a week, right? Um, and uh, we've seen some resource guarding problems with people in our facility before. Now he's in a home with a different dog. His foster parents are saying things have been going fantastically. They've been playing. They've been getting along really well. This situation came out of nowhere and I think that, and it, and it came from uh, the dog is, who is the foster is now resource guarding the people against the dog who was originally in the house. And I think that now has been because these people have been caring for him for a few days, they've been a resource of food and affection that now they are a higher value to this specific dog than he was two or three days ago when they weren't fighting over the specific resource. So the more valuable a resource becomes, the more of a probability that we have to resource guard. Also, whenever you have you know a new dog in your house, you guys are experiencing a lot of new things together, right? Maybe that one plush toy, like Quinn is, wants to show off, um, maybe that one plush toy All the plush toys don't have any value, but that one time that you bring in that fun rubber toy, well, it's still a toy, so you're not anticipating anything to happen, but I don't know, because it's rubber versus the plush toy, maybe it's more valuable to that dog. So when you have a new dog in your home, make sure that any resource that you're introducing is another opportunity for you guys to be managing, guiding, being a leader in, um, making sure that everyone's doing what they're supposed to be doing, but also that it could potentially be the resource that causes resource guarding.
1: Yeah, always be on the alert. Be on the
0: alert. Um, let's talk about. Okay, this one you did mention um, rough play or one sided play? Okay, yeah. Okay. Um, so you kind of mentioned that when your two kiddos play, for the majority, I feel like they definitely do interact with one another. It's reciprocated, we're going back and forth. But then sometimes Quinn will grab a hold onto Quirky's collar and just kind of try to yank him around. And you kind of mentioned that he kind of has this look of like, Mom Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, I'm not
1: very helpful.
0: I think those moments too, um, and this kind of goes along with the next point, which is don't allow your older dog to be the teacher. And when I was kind of laying out this outline for you, Maggie, you kind of mentioned like, well, don't we kind of want our dogs, our older dogs to teach like puppies how to play, right? Because it's That's easier for a, a dog. a little bit
1: what we look for in daycare. Yeah.
0: But not every dog is suited for that.
1: No. yeah. Yeah. Sully
0: would make a terrible nanny dog. So would Corky. Sully's going to overcorrect a puppy for just looking in his direction. Yeah. Uh, But when it comes, I think it's also one thing for it to happen in short interactions. And I don't have to live with this dog versus I have to live with this dog. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, And Corky seems to be handling the situation really well. But I also could see this becoming one of those things that we talked about in the beginning, as if this is a resource guarding situation where, Quinn is constantly taking things from Corky and, okay, it's fine for now, but one day it's not going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Whereas in this play situation, the play seems to be fine. Corky's not getting too upset. He seems to be okay with it. And it's hard to tell. Like, I can't ask him, Corky, how do you really feel about this, this situation? Do you feel like you're just going to, like, just break snap open? one just, day. Yeah, just snap that one day. I can't. I can't figure that out. Um, and sometimes you might be overstepping as more of an unnecessary precaution.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But I think, oh, she's getting sleepy. But I think uh, it's better to be overly cautious once again because it takes a lot of time to build
1: trust but a second to destroy trust. Yeah, I, I feel like there must be a short circuit of my brain or something. <laughs> because <laughs> I, I keep thinking like, if he does snap one day and tells her off, that's good because then she will know, oh, this isn't cool, and Mm -hmm. it's not cool. Mm -hmm. So I'm still having trouble
0: with that. When is it
1: okay? With when is it okay, and like, why can't he just tell her, cut it out? Because that's what she needs to know.
0: Yeah, I think because they're living together. The stakes of it ruining their relationship is much higher than if they were just a
1: couple of dogs that met
0: each other at daycare and they were together every once in a while.
1: But also, wouldn't it be better because they're living together to know each other's play styles, know each other's limits? Like if he says, okay, when you pull on my collar nonstop and I'm no longer feeling it, I want that to stop. And <laughs> I'm imagining this as a business conversation. Yeah. They sit across from each other at the table. Yeah. And say, so, when you pull on my collar, Yeah. I... And I stop reciprocating, that is when you should stop. She (laughs) goes, Ah, yes. But what about when I bring you a toy?
0: Okay. I think also because it has been okay for so long for Quinn, Mm -hmm. she's not just gonna be like, Oh, okay, I'll never do it again. Right. Right. There's gonna be a little bit of a learning curve that's gonna happen, and that is where Quirky is gonna build up his frustration. And I think that's where you potentially could... Like, for example, the the two dogs we were talking about before, dog one, dog two, stealing the toy. I'm pretty sure dog two that was getting her resources stolen from Mm -hmm. was probably... And I don't know, for sure. I didn't live in the house. um, But but was probably giving some sort of fuck-off cues, whether they were little. But because no one was stepping in on her behalf, she 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 felt like she had
1: to start doing a bigger correction so, and now it's it gets dangerous kind of like we're afraid that if Corky has to keep correcting her keep correcting her eventually he's gonna like really overcorrect, and she's gonna get hurt and also not learn
0: and also just not appreciate or like enjoy her presence because now I feel frustration or now I feel maybe not resentment but like Bitch, every time you come around me, you fucking grab onto my collar. Get the fuck away from me. You know? Like I I yeah. just feel like it could potentially build up something. Um and and maybe maybe the right choices, depending on your dog's relationship. Like mm-hmm. we know that he I've seen him. I mean he does it doesn't look like he's enjoying it, but also he's not super bothered by it. So maybe once you start to see some sort of distress signal, well, maybe that's when you decide to step in. Mm-hmm. You know? But I think And I think you're more aware of what those small signals might be, whereas most people are not going to be aware of those because it's worked for so long, right? right. So maybe I do give you a little bit more leeway. Like once again, for example, my dog's uh, with Rishi growling at the duck egg that I gave her, right? because they've eaten so well together for so long i stay around them when they're eating but i was washing dishes i heard a growl and i was like oh okay this is the moment this is the moment that i got to be make sure that i got to be stepping in and make sure that everyone like i'm going to be drawing that boundary Mm -hmm. because well one sully i think he's going a little bit deaf so he can't hear rishi's growls but he definitely kept trying to get in and Maybe that's the difference between what I'm kind of talking about and what I've experienced and what you two are Or what you three are experiencing is Rishi already started to draw that boundary by growling And then that's when I started to step in So I literally was like stepping in between Sully and Rishi and making like putting up pushing Sully back But like using my body to create a bigger a bigger birth for <laughs> For Rishi when she was eating But he s- still kept trying to go back multiple times And so anytime he would I was Sully stick my hand in and I'd move him over. Um, and I, I don't know, maybe, and once again, sometimes my advice is a little too on the, let's be a little overcautious side. Um, but I think that you, everyone has to be very careful when you have these situations that could potentially be causing tension that you're really careful and you're really observant and you're really watching everyone's body language because it could be a really short, small amount of time where your dog is no longer okay with it. And I think it's a possibility that every dog could no longer be okay with the situation that has been okay for so long.
1: Okay. And then, I guess, just really quick, what would you advise for somebody to do if one dog is bothering the other and won't stop? Like, it's just general redirection or yeah, I think rewarding it's, at some point yeah i think
0: a lot of it is kind of what you and i see on daycare right so we have a lot of puppies or dogs who will be playing together and you'll and you'll see what is what is good healthy dog play right it's reciprocation it's okay you're on top i'm on top i'm chasing you you're chasing me if you're biting me maybe i'll turn around and kind of give back that playful style but sometimes i'll start to see one dog like over try to grab onto a collar or a neck area and the dog who's trying to be grabbed onto completely like keeps juking out of the way little by little. So they're not turning back towards the dog and reciprocating in a sort of play response. That's my cue to step in grab onto the dog who's being a little bit more of the antagonizer and give the dog who's more or less the, not quite the victim, but you know, the victim in that moment to see what do they do in response, right? Mm -hmm. Do they take that moment to, thank God and like move away from us and if that's Mm -hmm. the case okay I'll redirect the dog that's being more the antagonizer and the instigator or does that dog oh no I liked it and then you see them coming back to do more and once again play is so it's so ever-changing and ever so fluid that it changes second by second moment by moment your dogs can be any dog any dog dynamic could be okay playing together for four or five 18 minutes and then the next second they're not okay Mm -hmm. um, and there probably was some sort of buildup that you most likely, if you kind of were to go back and like really look at it, that probably was some sort of less reciprocation, more trying to get space from the other dog that one dog just wasn't paying attention to because you keep playing with me. So why would I automatically think that you're no longer playing with me? Right. So I think redirection, um, or also when you see the dog kind of back off, is a good chance for you to be like, oh, good job, kiddo, Like, I really like that decision. Um, So that way eventually they're making their own decisions, you're not having to constantly be vigilant over them.
1: And by redirection you mean just like finding a different activity for that
0: dog? It depends, yeah. Sometimes we'll, once again, grab a collar or walk them away from the other dog. Um, Sometimes it's just getting space and then some dogs will give up depending on the age of the dog I think is really important. Um, Maybe giving something to distract the dog, so here's your own toy or okay you're being a little bit too much let's give you a break in a kennel or here now everyone has their own chews so now everyone can kind of be on their own separate areas enjoying something to keep them occupied cool
1: various redirection activities have lots of different yeah methods
0: um so yeah i think just to recap that the other one don't allow the older dog to be and i guess maybe be the only teacher um i think that we often miss, we as humans often miss a lot of opportunities to step in on behalf of our dogs. Mm -hmm. Um, Oftentimes I have a lot of puppy parents who have like a rambunctious dog. And I see an interaction where the rambunctious dog is kind of overwhelming slightly a different dog. And the owner of the dog who's being kind of overwhelmed is saying like, "They, they might snap back. And the owner of the rambunctious dog says, oh, no, it's okay. He needs it. Like, yeah, What? why aren't you stepping in in that moment to help train your dog a little bit? I do agree, yes, that dogs are the better teacher to other dogs, but not every dog. And it's actually a very small amount of dogs are actually really great nannies to give appropriate corrections when fully needed and in the right amount of intensity Mm -hmm. and especially when you have a puppy like you don't want to just be putting your dog around any dog and helping any corrections going to work because that can really set them up for failure as well to teach them that other dogs could potentially be scary so um it's it's just like you know once again if you have a young kid and an old kid you're not going to rely on your older kid your human kid to teach your young kid the lay of the land and the rules of the house you're still going to be stepping into doing that. And obviously that's a really big stretch, you know, human versus dog and whatnot. But I think it still gives us the opportunity to step up as that leader and as that parent for both of our dogs. You don't, you want your older dog to also feel like they don't have to take control of any situation because you're right there doing it for them. Cool. Um, another thing is double the training when you have two dogs. You know, you're training two different dogs. Um, and I do think that having the same expectations as far as their manners is really important. Um, and what I mean by that is sometimes I have pet parents coming in who have an older dog and the older dog is just allowed to do anything and everything that they want. And then they expect for their new dog to be like on their best behavior a hundred percent of the time. I don't really know if dogs can feel like a resentment for those sorts of things, um, You know, when Rishi was a baby, when we weren't home, Rishi was kenneled and Sully wasn't. Um, And obviously their dynamic seems to be just fine. And I feel like for the majority, it is okay for a lot of dogs, but I just think that one, have very similar expectations for those manners, for those behaviors, because it's really hard for one dog to not Uh, respond to the energy of another dog in the household who is more ill-mannered because you decided not because you decided for them to not have the same expectations of manners
1: yeah i i don't really have this issue i i think the last i don't know a few podcasts ago um i mentioned like i work in a dog training facility now and i expect to have an amazing puppy and she's going to learn so much and be so perfect. But Corky is far from perfect and far from learning so much and everything. And it turns out I failed that with Quinn too. But if I had gone through with it, it still would have been very strange to see like Quinn isn't allowed on the kitchen table. (laughs) (laughs) Quinn has to learn a place bed and has to go there every time somebody rings the doorbell. Mm -hmm. And Corky can eat off of my plate yeah. and attack the mailman. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'd be interested to hear opinions from, like, people who have maybe very different sized dogs. Mm-hmm. Like, my Yorkie can get on the couch, but my Pyrenees cannot. Mm-hmm. It just makes sense at that point. Mm-hmm. So I, I can't really give insight to that, and I think there are definitely exceptions and... Yeah. Um, just different situations that make more sense than others yeah but i'd be interested to hear somebody's point of view about that
0: yeah so the client that i had in today he was a big like 70 pound doodle and they have also a two-year-old possibly i don't know eight to 12 pound mm-hmm. and they really want the doodle to not jump up but the multi is allowed to do that mm-hmm. they want the golden doodle the doodle to not be super energetic at the door, but the multi is allowed to do whatever. And it and once again, training a small dog might be a little bit easier than training a big dog. Your expectations are going to be different. It's harder, it's less, it's more chaotic for a big dog to be doing those things in a small dog. Right. But you also have to consider what sort of distraction level your big dog in this specific situation, the big dog is having to work through because it's one thing to sit when a person comes in through the door and it's another thing to sit when a person comes in through the door and you also have another dog who's throwing in a ton of energy into the situation. Like, yeah. it, like it, it even just exacerbates the amount of training that you're going to have to do with your big dog because they have to be able to train
1: and proof through yeah. the small dog Yeah, sure, I can go to my place bed every single time somebody rings the doorbell, but now I have to go to my place bed and my sister is losing her shit? Yes. Are you kidding me?
0: Yes, and I don't, and I don't think, once again, I don't think it builds resentment from the dog, it just makes your training goals, not impossible, but it's 18 more steps that you gotta build in.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't say it's resentment, it's some sort of, um, like, more basic feeling, like, I, I can't think of one, but okay. it's, it's something along the lines of, I want to do that too. Yeah, yeah, I think so. This is harder than that. I want to do that.
0: Yeah, exactly. Dogs That's are going to try to do
1: the easy yeah. ones.
0: Another one is, another pro tip is make sure that you're managing your resources. Um, don't have high value objects just laying around waiting to be triggers for your dogs to fight over. And it depends on the dogs. Um, for example, and I think your dogs are the same way. I can have toys around all over the place. Yep, I do. My dogs don't fight over toys. I have baskets of toys. They, Rishi goes and pulls stuff away. I go probably put toys back into baskets once every other two or three days, whatever.
1: I just let mine lay around and I find them in my bed. And that's totally fine. I but, wake up in the morning with Quinn's favorite toys on my face. <laughs> it's great. But
0: I wouldn't have a bunch of bully sticks laying around. Yeah that's a higher value resource in my house and I don't want that to be a trigger for my dogs to fight especially because they are allowed to be uh loose when we're gone or also when I'm gone and my aunt my Anthony (laughs) my (laughs) fiance is you know in his office working from home no one's watching them you know so don't create if you know that your dog is particular if they like to guard a certain resource just make sure that those resources aren't
1: willy-nilly later yeah i'm a little guilty of this one i know if i'm giving out shoes i have to give them both one Mm -hmm. but they're both bad at finishing their stuff i know we Mm -hmm. got like some rawhides for valentine's day Mm -hmm. and you were like it kept my dogs busy for three whole hours and then you know they were back to bothering me and i was like i I think on this day, what is this? September 1st, (laughs) I I still have that chew somewhere in my house. Yeah. They'll chew on it for a while, and then they won't finish it at all, Mm -hmm. and they'll just leave it around. So to be perfect about this situation, I would be there to monitor them while they have their chews, when they get tired of them, take them away, put them away, until we're ready to do it again. Yeah. And I, I think I lean too heavily on they have figured out their I'm just gonna call it hierarchy Mm -hmm. um to where if Corky is chewing on something Quinn gives him a wide (laughs) berth and if Quinn is chewing on something she will give it up if Corky shows that he wants it yeah and I think as we've talked about this whole podcast I can guess that you would say that's probably not healthy
0: (laughs) I I I would just say we know that Quinn also has a tendency to resource guard from anyone else except Quirky, mm-hmm. So one day she might feel like, fuck you, brother. I've had enough. I'm also going to resource. Fuck you, brother. <laughs> How
1: dare you.
0: E <laughs> you <too laughs> brute? <laughs> uh, but I'm also going to guard against you as well. Um, because if he comes and takes her shit often, right? Yeah. But she also realizes, ooh, when I do this I really to other dogs, want this stupid brother, I get to keep my own shit. Yeah. Or also, when he does it to me, he gets to keep his own shit. Yeah. So why? How come I've never stood up against this motherfucker and just keep my own shit? Yeah. And once again, it may never happen. It may never ever happen. <sighs> you stupid dogs. But I don't know. I I I just
1: hindsight's twenty
0: twenty. Always yeah.
1: just wait until a few weeks from now and I'm on the podcast and I'm like, well, Corky hospitalized Quinn. (laughs) No! uh,
0: Put your ears down. You don't listen to that. Knock on wood. (laughs) Um, The last one I wrote down is make sure that you do separate and I think we kind of already hit that when we talked about you know, especially in the very beginning, make sure dogs are separated so we won't get back to that. Okay, we have two more points. Um, First of the last two is Playing, and I think we've talked about it a little bit. Playing with dogs at daycare and your dogs having a sociability in a new, kind of a neutral space um, where they get to be with a dog for a few hours and then go home is way different than bringing a dog into your home and them having to live with one another. I think it's kind of similar to what you and I were talking about earlier. So you and I have two different offices. We're about to move into the same office. And you said, I wonder how long it's going to take for us to get tired of one another, <laughs> right? And I think it's because any any being, right, you can get – even with you and, like, your spouse, you – absence makes the heart grow fonder. You get separation from another. You get your own me time. Um, but when you're kind of forced to live with someone – so let's be honest. Like, our dogs don't really get a choice in the matter. They're forced to live with each other. Um, Sometimes the tensions run a little bit higher in a living situation versus just like a playmate situation Like I could think of a lot of dogs who love each other at daycare But I wonder how those dynamics would change if we were to move both of them into one like the other like one of their houses
1: Yeah, I it it sounds like it's kind of the opposite for Quirky and maybe Quintu too. He is more likely to get along with other dogs when he knows them, when he's established a relationship, when he's comfortable with them. Okay. If, if I throw him into daycare, he's fighting everybody. Gotcha. So he's built the relationship.
0: He's built the familiarity. It works well for him. That makes sense. And like I was talking
1: about, his his unique um, setup for success introductions. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I I didn't mention this, but like he's barrier aggressive, so... On leash is not an option, but even behind, like, a baby Kate, like you were talking about earlier, I know him well enough to know that wouldn't work for him. He needs to be, like, in a very open, neutral space, but I need to be close to him, so if he starts showing signals, I can step in or, you know, grab him. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he reacts really, really well to positive, um, like, encouragement. Mm-hmm. I can't bring in treats because he's treat aggressive, mm-hmm. but if he does something... Or if he, uh, oh my God, I lost the word. If he doesn't do something, if he's being good for a split second and I go, oh, come on, buddy. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, wow, that was good. I did it, okay, I did it. okay I'll, I'll, I'll do more, i do more. He he reacts really well to positive reinforcement. Yeah, yeah. Um, I had a point. Oh, so in, I don't know, for in daycare. he's different than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah
0: he's, he's a special little guy. And I think the majority of dogs, they're, relationships do flourish the more that there is a familiarity but also i don't know I, I think of like my siblings right my siblings and i did not get along when we were living together once we stopped living together our relationship got so much better
1: oh yeah absolutely yeah and i would say yeah i can totally see how corky's kind of the odd man out here because
0: you know <laughs> Don't touch that. It's his. It oh away. my
1: gosh. You got to stretch him out so it sucks back in. Ew. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think there's probably three super, super generic times in a dog's meeting. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Words are so hard right now. Um, I think there's that very, very first initial thing where mm-hmm. you don't know each other. You don't know how it's going to go they don't know anything about each other it's just kind of up in the air mm-hmm. and then there's that okay I know you as a friend we get along I love to see you at daycare that's the absence makes the hearts grow fonder thing yeah and then there's the stuck together all the time oh my god you're getting on my nerves I'm sick of you yeah thing yeah
0: like three different levels of a relationship is kind of what we're
1: talking yeah. about yeah levels sure. of a really you know words better words better words no worries Quirky yeah. has that first one where it's like unpredictable and I think I kind of hate you because I don't know anything about you and he just stays in that until he, I make Quinn live with him.
0: <laughs> I think one thing that I, I don't know why I want to mention this and I'm trying not to get us that interoperable because we should be wrapping up pretty soon. Um, but I think one question that a lot of people would ask about um, this topic is do we see gender, sex, being a factor to think about when bringing
1: dogs in together. Absolutely. I, I don't know what your answer is going to be like. It
0: depends. Okay. I,
1: obviously, everything depends. on Everything
0: how you're doing. depends. I. If anything, and I and I hate to say this because I've had multiple females living in the same house together, but there's been a lot of research um, that says a female female dynamic has the potential to be more volatile than anything else i think i
1: remember you telling me this statistic
0: i don't even know if it's an actual statistic i took this canine play course at one point and the instructor was like yep female versus female always a higher chance of being volatile and if i think about it i just I, i know a handful of female female Homes, and they've been fine. Yeah. Um, I think I also think it depends on altered status. Are they uh, altered or not altered? Right. Um. I mean, you and I both have a seems to have go male female.
1: Really that Parents have male male. Well. I mean, female female.
0: And that nothing ever has been no. weird about that, you know. So I I, I think. I think that there's not enough evidence for you to put all your eggs in that basket of gender or sex, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, At this point, it's sex. Are you trying to be
1: politically correct? I think they're both politically correct.
0: (laughs) I mean, we're talking about dogs, right? Um, Dogs have genders. I (laughs) shut up. I think that it's not enough information for you to say I have a girl dog, so I should never own a girl dog, unless you know that your girl dog does not get along with girl dogs. Right? The same way that I know that Sully would not get along well, has a higher probability of getting along with a female
1: than a male. Yeah, I... Know your dog specifically. Yeah, I think it definitely depends on specific dogs. I am far less likely to think about female-female than anything with a male. Mm-hmm. In, I'm, I guess I'm mostly thinking of our daycare dogs and our beta dogs. Mm-hmm. Um... When, especially when we send a male dog to the beta program, which, you know, if you don't know what that is, go listen to all the rest of our podcasts.
0: <laughs> At least the bigger
1: ones. Um, uh, it, when we try to find them new friends, mm-hmm. we basically always start with female friends. Yeah. Because it's it just in our history of two years working here and being open, our male dogs are much more likely to get along with females than other males.
0: Right. And males always seem to be maybe a little bit more of the aggressor or the type, the the sex that's more overly stimulated. Yeah. But I mean, I would say we have a healthy dose of male and females in our beta program.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I wouldn't say one or the other gets pushed into beta more often. But when we have a male in the beta program and he's there for you know, behavioral reasons, he gets overstimulated, he tends to not get along with other dogs, it's the males that are causing the issue, that he's causing issues with. Yeah. And when we find other friends for I them, think. it's females that we pair up and yeah. males that we don't expect to go as well.
0: And even the females that are in the beta program, we're still trying to typically find, if we're looking for a profile of what that dog likes to play with, it will most likely still be a female. Yeah, that's true. They would try to put them with. So, I don't know. I just think it's it's worth having a thought around, but I wouldn't, like I said, I wouldn't base your decision off of that unless you know your dog specifically. Do some safe experiments. Yeah. Figure out what your dog likes. Okay. Last thing, um, and it's just the topic of like nature versus nurture, and I think we've kind of hit that multiple times. I have two schnauzers, right? Um, They're very different in very many ways but they're also so similar in many different ways as well and it's kind of hard to tell whether it would have I do think that the way that they are is largely a part of how I raised them but I also think that they were almost like predisposed predisposed to be for, for my nurture style to still turn them into what they are
1: yeah. I have two black and white dogs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would call them <laughs> Schnauzers or chihuahuas, but, you know, they're just kind of what they are. Yeah. Well, they're black true. and white. Um, and they have a ton of similarities and a few differences. And I think a lot of what I have done or lacked doing and mainly Corky rubbing off on Quinn yeah. has has formed a lot of at least Quinn's personality. Yeah. I think my my interaction with Corky formed a lot of his personality <laughs> mm-hmm. and mine and Corky's interaction with Quinn has formed a lot of her personality. Gotcha. Um that makes sense. I I would be super interested in going and visiting like her siblings to see how they've turned out. Yeah. Uh but I can if I th- thought nice and hard about it and if I took notes during the day I could find a ton of things that I that Quinn didn't do when she first got here and now she does yeah um and is it because who, who did she learn that from was it you or Corky I, both I think, yeah yeah I think it depends on the thing. the thing like if it's disliking big dogs I think that's from Corky because I I like big dogs just fine mm-hmm. She, I didn't tell her, no, anybody over 30 pounds we hate. <laughs> that was quirky. Quirky told her that. Quirky told her that. Uh, but, like, her behaviors, you know, jumping up on the... Well, I didn't cheap her to jump up on the kitchen table either. So <laughs> that that was, was also quirky. Uh, sleeping. But you also, Sleeping in my bed.
0: But you also... Uh, your nurture part didn't c- correct it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. the, the so, lack thereof so that he, I He may have didn't shown do. her the
0: way... Which is nurture, his nurture, and then your nurture also is like, hey, this is just what we do in the house.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to think of some things that make them independent and make them different from each other. And I'm, I'm really struggling. i at a loss.
0: I think um, we have, right, when we're talking about breeds, um, I see lots of differences in dogs that are the same breed. In litters, I've known people who said, I know the other litter, the other dogs in this litter Oh, that's what I meant by due separation. Uh, I'll come back to that in a second. But that's what it was. Um, I know the other dogs in my dog's litters, and they're all kind of this way.
1: Yeah, that's we nature. recently heard from a client yeah. that was like...
0: Her dog's yeah, is overstimulating this, this, daycare. We've
1: had lots of litters come through our rescue, and uh, I adopted one from a specific litter, and I've kept up with some of the litter mates, and they are all this way. They're all kind of weirdos, um, whether it's fear,
0: whether it's overstimulated. Um, but also I know lots of dogs who once again, do know the litters from they're the dogs and the litter mates and they're all so different. Um, I, I always try to turn this back into like me and my sisters. Um, so personal thing, my sis, I have two sisters. They both have the same mom and dad. Um, we all share a mom. I have a different I don't technically technically have a full biological sibling um, but we were all three of us were pretty much raised by my parents Um, so there's a little bit of that nurture in there um, a little bit of that nature because we all have the same mom but we're all so freaking different and even my two sisters who have literally the same mother and
1: father um, they're similar and different in lots of different ways I have an excellent story about this humans um, I have a cousin that was adopted from China, and did she... I not know this about you. I, I'm not that close to my cousins. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry if you're listening to this. <laughs> um, it. um, and she's, uh, probably a year or two older than me, and, uh, maybe two or three years ago, she did a ancestry thing, mm-hmm. and matched 100% with somebody. Oh, shit. And she found her sister... That is, has both same parents, Mm -hmm. that is like less than a year apart from her. Mm. Um, And they rekindled, or they met each other and everything, and they've been raised completely separately. They never met each other. They were given up for adoption at less than a year old, everything. All nature, zero nurture. Okay. And it's insane how similar they are. Huh. Uh, The thing that springs to my mind the fastest is their voices. Their voices are the exact same Hmm. it's it's crazy i could talk on the phone with somebody that i've never met and think it's my cousin that i've known for 25 years um and i i'll be honest i didn't i haven't talked to my cousin about any of this and i'm kind of hearing it through the grapevine and family is like oh yeah your cousin's uh new sister is doing this and it's so similar to your cousin's whatever Hmm. um So if you talk to my mom, she'd love to give you the whole story (laughs) because she's very enthralled with all of this. But they have a lot of nature versus nurture things that's that's super interesting to hear because they didn't meet each other until they were 28 years old. Mm. And they have a lot of super similarities and some differences. Yeah. I think, once again, just going off of the sex
0: topic is like, it's things to consider but not things that you should put all your eggs in one basket.
1: All right. Oh, of nature versus nurture. Of nature
0: versus nurture. Yeah, like it's things that you should. Okay, that's kind of interesting and and cool to think about, but like, don't only think that nature versus nurture, nurture versus yeah. nature is going to win out.
1: Yeah, don't don't just, give yeah. up on training your dog because they come from a litter that's kind of hard to train. Yeah.
0: Okay, I want to backtrack really quickly, and then we're gonna get done. Uh, um, how dare you? Uh, I know the one thing that I said, the do separation, and in my notes, I was like, "What we talked about separating dogs before." I meant uh, do separate from one another in the sense that you're creating individuality. So what? you like you bring Corky or you bring Quinn to daycare, and Corky stays home, mm. right? And he's fine with it. He's not so. Uh, attached to her that he 's having a freak out panic attack because Quinn left right um my dogs kind of do a little bit of that, but I think they don 't really miss each other they 're just like fomo why why did you leave like when I took Rishi to SA live, Sally cried for a little bit when when we left, and I think he was just like, but why not me like i don 't think he cared specifically about Rishi being gone, yeah, I think he just saw me leave with her and just like felt left out and totally anthropomorphizing there but Do some separation, especially if you have dogs in the same litter. Um, From the same litter, Mm. make sure that you're not going to be accidentally creating that litter mate syndrome where they're so attached to one another that, because let's be honest, y'all, God God forbid, and it's going to happen, but one dog is going to go sooner than the other.
1: That has always terrified me.
0: Yeah, so just make sure that you're doing little small things that they each have their own individuality apart from one another so that way they can still easily cope when when one leaves because like we talked about our dogs have an eight year difference from the other.
1: Uh, both of my dogs are going to live until I die. I mean, same. So this is irrelevant.
0: <laughs> All right, guys, that's our stuff about, uh, remember when we thought this was going to be a short podcast? <laughs>
1: nope. It's like a two
0: hour <laughs> podcast. Um, so part two, uh, of sibling rivalries. what to do if you're already having Interaggression aggression if you live in a multi-dog household so stay tuned for that one next week bye bye as always the fun doesn't have to stop here find us on all of our socials we're on instagram tiktok and facebook at pup pup and away sa uh feel free to leave feedback or ask any questions about this topic or any desired future topics by dming us on instagram please rate review and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to share us with a friend Uh, And if you're ever so inclined, please feel free to donate. Nothing reinforces me more than money besides food. And that might be why I get along so well with dogs. (laughs) I hope to see you guys soon.